So, the last shoot, say the best for last, John Reed with the usual suspect, Ray Wang, what's going on? How you going, John? I'm doing good, man. We're going to talk about the future of digital business. You've been blogging a lot about this topic, and you're a thought leader in this area, to use the well, dreaded I'm phrase. I'm going to automatically, automatically provide you an omni-channel experience. Uh, well, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's ride the omni-channel straight to the future of digital business, shall we? So, listen, you're, you're blogging about stuff like chief digital officers and... Data artists, digital artisans, and stuff. What's this all about? Man? All right. So what's happening right now is um, all that stuff we talked about: social, mobile, cloud, big data. You know, even yeah. video and UC. That's yeah. all morphing into digital, and uh -huh. those technologies are one part of it. But there's digital, and then there's digital transformation. It's right. the transformation that we're actually interested in. We're not interested in the fluffy digital stuff that's going on where social business pundits are suddenly becoming digital folks. Uh, what we're looking Funny how that works, huh? I don't know. It just seems to work that way. Yeah. So, but hey, yeah. the thing is, like, what we're looking at is like business model transformation. So, how do you take old line industries, right. and where does digital play a role? Now, yeah. a lot of these are data plays. We're seeing like, with Internet of Things, we're seeing connectivity. But it's like, yeah. how are we taking these sensors, these analytical insights, and making them into something that's going to create a new business model? So, right. a great example was like Uber. It was like, oh, Uber, what a great app. But it's basically a business model shift, mm -hmm. right? Because I've got a mobile device. Right. So I can track it. I've got social. I can rate the drivers. The drivers can rate me. It's like, oh, that guy's such an a-hole, or this guy's such a, you know, whatever. And mm -hmm. it's kind of neat. You can kind of track that. It's got the cloud element because it's connecting all the cars and all the networking that's happening. But more importantly, it's got the big data and analytics on the back end. And so what it's basically doing is it's disintermediating the dispatch services. Okay. And anybody can actually be a driver. And that gets a little interesting. There's some consumer right. privacy regulations that have to be there, but they're also using the analytics to drive pricing models. It's raining. Oh, by the way, we're going to jack up prices. You're stuck on UberX. Mm. Right? Or, you know what? There's no demand right now. Let's just drop all the prices. So now right. you see brand new business models emerge because of these technologies. And so mm -hmm. we're transferring something as mundane as taxi services mm -hmm. to something that's personalized transport. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's basically rethinking business models from the ground up, so-called disrupting industries, as you might say. Um, although we promise not to use the word disruption again in this video, I promise. But um, or automatically, automatic, automatically transforming industries. But with omni-channel innovation. So what about what about more established players, right? I mean, isn't that where it gets tougher? I mean, it's one thing to start from the ground up, rethinking something, go get a bunch of venture capital, you're cool, you're Uber. But what if you're an established? player in some market, what are you going to be doing? You've got to think about new markets, right? Some of these might be JV, some of these might be companies that start brand new units, might be some innovation they see in a startup that they acquire and, and build up against. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah. So, and, and the fear really is not the, the fact that you know, they're not catching up with the technology. The fear is that they don't know who their competitors are anymore. It mm -hmm. used to be, like in any business, like Marriott was competing with Hilton and Weston and Starwood, you know, that, as that kind of unit. Today, they're competing with the guy next door once around the room. Yeah, so what are, what are customers telling you when you talk to them about their challenges around this stuff? 
As, uh, we, we've been doing a study. We've, we've interviewed like 35 companies. I can't name the names yet, um, but we've been going yeah. deep, and some of them are like airlines. Coke and Microsoft. And- no, 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 <laughs> Sorry. no, 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 we'll go there. Um, so it, n- no, no tech yeah, yeah. companies like that. <laughs> okay. um, but we've been interviewing like consumer companies. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking to travel companies. Yeah. We've been talking to um, you know manufacturers. Yep. Uh, we've been talking to entertainment companies. Um, so just a wide variety of industries. Are you seeing common themes, or, or is oh, it yeah. really different by industry? I guess a little bit of both. What we tend to look at what we call the market leaders and fast followers, right. and those are the early adopters. And what they're doing is they're basically remember that word SOA. I do. Yeah, it's back. It is because we're connecting all this data in different silos. We're connecting mm. all these different processes. We have to harmonize them. We're connecting all these different systems. So right. at massive scale, right? Yeah. So most of these folks are actually re- reinvesting in architects. They're looking at um, basically. RESTful designs. They're okay. looking at data models and operational data stores because they know they can't bring all this data together all at once in the way that yeah. they're supposed to. They're looking at integration. Right. Um, they're basically redesigning their architecture to support what's next. Uh-huh. But aren't, aren't they probably fighting forces of resistance within their own companies too? Oh yeah, they totally are. Mm-hmm. So, But the early adopters, the business units are investing with them. Okay. So on the IT side. The IT okay. folks are actually sitting at the management table. Right. Um, the folks are saying, look, how do we actually become more like these consumer experiences? So that's also happening this digital transformation. So are you saying that I, IT in the, in the right context is becoming more entrepreneurial in a sense? They're learning how to not just um, essentially run systems, but how to sell ideas and how to be a part of a, part of a change process in, in business? Or? That's about a third of the companies we talk mm-hmm. to actually the other two-thirds, those are business folks that are going okay. on, on the tech binge. They're okay. completely learning the tech and understanding they're, they're how to They're taking get there. on the tech side. They're taking on the tech side. Yeah. So I guess their IT departments must be feeling the heat from that then. No. In some cases, they're partnering up. Um, yeah. We tried to talk to an IT person and a business person at both organizations. Okay. And in the organizations that are ahead, they're in sync. Okay. They know it's coming. It's not like they're running these big shadow projects. Um, IT is on board. Um, for the IT folks that are leading these, it's because business has a broader need, and they're providing the shared services to get there. So is the chief digital officer for real, or is that bullshit? Like, why do we need this new fangled job title? Come on. Because we don't have enough CXOs. Right? <laughs> so what's this person going to do? Why is, this, is this a real job? It is a real job for the next two to three years. Okay. We need a person that's centralized, that's looking at how to digitally enable a business, um, those are people that are formulating the strategies. And who do they report to? They're reporting to the executive levels. We're seeing them report okay. to the CEOs. Uh, we're seeing them report to CEOs, line of business GMs. But okay. the main thing for these folks is formulate the strategy, execute on this, understand the technologies, create brand new business models. And they're basically trying to drive new business off of digital technologies. So what would you say to critics who would say to you, Ray, this digital transformation is just change management all over again. We've been talking about this for 20 years. Um, I would say what we're doing is we're melding those disciplines. Mm-hmm. Change management is important. Business transformation is important. Um, the technology piece is important. And basically we're saying, how do we create brand new business models? Mm-hmm. And all the other stuff will cascade against that. Okay. So now while we've got this chief digital officer role for the next two to three years, what's important is that we're going to digitally enable the CXO suite. Mm-hmm. So CFOs are going to be digitally di- enabled, COOs are going to be digitally enabled, CIOs are going to be digitally enabled, CFOs are going to be digitally enabled. But the point being is uh, we may not need a chief digital officer role in three to five years, but they need to be the cows to start this. All right. Well, hot air or a vision of the future? We'll find out 
next year or two, we'll know. We'll know on the next issue. <laughs> thanks, Ray, for your time. Appreciate All right, thanks a lot, John. Okay, John Reed, back at the Acumatica Partners Summit, back with Brian Summer. You and I have a topic we like to dish around, uh, mm -hmm. selling. Selling's not what it used to be, but we all need to do it right. If we're not getting paid, we're not even going to be in this business, let's face it. So how has selling changed? Uh, I think probably the most profound thing about selling uh, actually starts with how buyers even find out about uh, people or businesses. Um, Things that they used to do before the big recession on the internet were normally relegated to company. People wanted to find out about something they wanted to buy for themselves as a person. Now people bring that same skill set, if you want to call that, on how they do shopping. Um, they do, they bring that to work. So they vet out and shortlist all kinds of uh, businesses that they might want to conduct business with or explore doing business with. They do all that on the internet. And I know, uh, I think it was Adamson Dixon uh, with the conference board did a, um, a book called, uh, the Cha was it The Challenger Sale? Yeah, The Challenger was, Sale, yeah. Right. And uh, they talk about how as much as like 60% of the original um, uh, selling activities already happened before most folks even find out they were even in the running for a potential deal. Right. Um, the other thing I think is big, the big other change, and one that I've counseled a number of software and consulting firms on is that once you get that phone call, don't get all excited because the buyer now already has an idea of what they want, how they want it, how they want it delivered, sold, and even what the price points ought to be. And uh, the point in the challenger sale, and, and you know, was that people have to change the mindsets of these buyers who've already got these preconditioned ideas of what they want, and show maybe some other stuff they didn't even think about. Right. So, the the days in the enterprise software field where you could, let's say, hire an aesthetically pleasing individual who had the gift of gab. Uh, you get on the phone now, and the buyer is just shooting that person right out of the water, right? I mean, right. If, if you can't talk pricing, if you can't talk a little bit about the domain, the s subject, the topics that the buyer cares about, you're not They're selling. not terribly interested. In fact, yeah. um, the bulk of what needs to happen for whether you're a software firm or a consulting firm, whatever, services firm, you've got to put, out, put together a bunch of like uh, point of view or thought leadership materials so that uh, that are related around the subjects uh, that uh, people are searching on Google or whatever on us, you know, about. And when they do that, they all of a sudden realize, like, oh, here's a firm that actually understands our business problem. You don't have to necessarily give them the solution, but you certainly have to impress upon them that you actually have domain knowledge in that space. Right. That's one part of the problem. And then the second part is, and then once you get once you get them. You know, yeah, you need to do some relationship work and all that kind of stuff with the individuals, but by and large, what wins the day now is people buy deep subject matter expertise, competency in the products or services being sold. They want to believe that they're going to get great value out of this, and you've got to be able to communicate that. And um, don't think for a minute, this is one of the things I was showing a consulting firm the other day, 
is that uh, cu clients actually look up the service people's uh, LinkedIn profiles sure. to find out who's going to be on the project. Now, you and I both do a bunch of independent work. We know people do that. But it was like a shocking revelation, you know, and some of the better consulting firms when you start with them, they do a LinkedIn makeover of your uh, profile so that you're going to look better on paper, I guess, or yeah, digitally. Yeah, it's. I think it's even more than, I think you're right about search. Um, the problem there is it's, it's not as simple as filling out a search index listing. You really have to create meaningful content that people like. Yeah. But, but even then, like, it's before search, right? Because, like, I'll give you an example, like, uh, I was doing some research on uh, UI stuff, and so I found a couple consulting firms that had blogged about it. I ended up talking to a couple of people. Now I know those people. Next time I hear about something relating to that, I might just refer that person. There's mm -hmm. no, no search involved. It's an advisory thing. How did they get attention? They got attention through generously sharing their IP, which is really counterintuitive to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean... Uh uh, there, there's a generation shift happening in like, uh, obviously we're here at a channel partner conference. Channel partners who thought that, who still think that they're going to get a bucket load of business by um, having a golf club membership, uh, right. entertaining cl prospective clients it's on It's the boat. end of the golf course relationship, Ryan. I used to say that's where all the deals went down, and uh, it's a little different now. It's different. How do you get them on the golf course? That's right? the problem. Yeah. It, it's not that you won't do those kind of things in the future. You just may not do them as often, but and you may do them with folks who are already pre-existing customers. You yeah. do it as part of like extending the relationship, but it right. won't necessarily be the thing you do to start one in the first place. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I spoke with a manufacturer a little over a week ago, and the guy went from 16 direct sales reps to three, and his sales are actually up. And, and that's how does he account for that? Well, because it turns out once he changed his ERP system and actually had something where everything's all integrated, customers can now go right to their website. They can... They're basically checking up status of invent of orders. They can look at inventory. They can look at all kinds of things online, and they don't need to go through a sales rep. Or when they decide, okay, these people can make the kind of part that I need, they then pick up the phone and call the folks and go, hey, can we send you our CAD CAM spec for this product we need made, and can you cost out yeah. for us? So they don't need the, they don't need reps pounding the pavement, walking door to door, right? And uh, they have found that by putting more information, more capabilities in the hands of customers and suppliers, just put it right out there on the internet, that's where the traffic comes in the door. Right. And I would add a strong customer advocacy and case study program as well to put your best stories out there too. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I basically, mean, stop stop putting and start blogging is what it comes down to. That, that's the takeaway from this video, folks. Put your putting, put your putter down, and start blogging. Good enough. And that's good enough, I guess, for now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Thanks.